calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Hello, welcome to another episode of CFA Institute Take 15 series. My name is Larry Tao. I'm a content director in CFA Institute's Asia Pacific office. Here with me today is Kiyosuke Itusang. Uh, he is the chief financial advisor of Mizuho DEL Financial Technology. He's also a former president of CFA Society Japan. Welcome. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So today uh, we're going to discuss fintech. I think you have a very interesting position. So you actually run the robo-advisor operation within a traditional financial institution. Uh, yes, well, it's not just fintech. We are doing uh, asset management related uh, in, uh, strategy development and uh, fintech like robo-advisor is one of those things. Fascinating. So. Uh, I guess maybe we start with a, a very broad question. You know, what, is, what do you think is the future of financial advisory? Uh, do you think this will be dominated by robo-advisors or will this continue to be, you know, will clients continue to prefer human interaction? I think it would be a mix. Um, well, the advantage of uh, robo-advisors would be they're cost-efficient, they're consistent, so uh, some of the uh, investors that uh, want to do everything themselves, but they need some advice, they don't want to interact with people, mm -hmm. those people with cost-efficient mind might prefer robo-advisory. Right. On the other hand, uh, if uh, there are many people that have uh, more complex needs, and uh, for those kind of uh, uh, deep needs, uh, or for people that need human connection, um, robo-advisor might not be uh, good enough. So I think depending on people's preference, both would have uh, demand for that. Right, so, so you mentioned complexity as a driver for differentiation yes. between robo-advisor and human interaction or the traditional financial advisory channels. What are some of the other factors where do robo-advisors really shine and where do you think people would still you know, want to go, go with the, uh, the human, sort of the traditional financial advisory channels? Um, I, I think there are several. Uh, one is, of course, cost efficiency, but mm -hmm. another thing would be um, transparency. Uh, most of the robo-advisors disclose what they're doing. Right. So, um, and there is no intended bias. So some people might feel more comfortable to pursue those uh, ways. Will, will these be high wealth, you know, high net worth individuals, or will these be really sort of the uh, the mass affluent? What type of segment? Is there a segmentation in this uh, in this business? Um, it could be both, but uh, maybe more so for the mass affluent, because. Uh, 
the financial service advisors, uh, the human advisors might not be able to spend too much time for the uh, for people that have less uh, amount to invest in. Right. For a financial institution like Mizuho, with the traditional financial advisory channel, mm -hmm. and now adding this uh, robo-advisor channel, mm -hmm. uh, are there channel conflicts? How does Mizuho balance the, these two channels? Um, we are still uh, f trying to figure out, but uh, one way to think about it is, uh, um, is to follow the customer's needs. Okay. Some clients, uh, just like uh, cost efficiency, do-it-yourself type of uh, clients might prefer robo-advisors. So our robo-advisor platform um, is more intended for an internet user rather than... Uh, but we can also use that for uh, in our retail branches uh, to uh, assist the salesperson. But it, it's more about... Uh, um, automation, transparency. And so. uh, on the other hand, those people that need attachment with people, uh, we would be doing that in, in the traditional way. Right, I see. So it's more of the client's needs. Yes. So robo-advisors, is that mostly serving, like you said, sort of internet savvy clients? So these are individual clients, maybe younger clients? Mm -hmm. um, younger client have uh, less hesitation to use um, robo-advisory uh, robo services. But where the money is, is uh, in the uh, elder people uh, pool. Yeah. So we have to address that uh, part of the segment too. So we are trying to make uh, the robo-advisory platform as easy to use as possible to, uh, so that uh, different kind of people would uh, feel comfortable to use it. So it's internet savvy. It doesn't matter you're how old you are. It's yes. more people who are active on the internet. Yes. So that's more of the differentiation. Very interesting. So uh, I guess the, uh, uh, how do you see the development across different geographies? Robo-advisor as a phenomenon seems to have had more success in, in North America and in Europe. I think in, in Asia, it's been, uh, since seems the growth has been a little slower. What, what do you think have been uh, the, the driving factors behind that? Yes, uh, there could be several factors. If you look at Asia, maybe Japan and um, China or uh, other part of the Asia might have a different background. Mm -hmm. In Japan, um, the interest rate has been near zero for the right. last decade or e even more longer. And yes. uh, becoming more of a global phenomenon, unfortunately. Yes, exactly. And also, if you look at the stock market, um, it peaked in the late 80s and then it kept falling down. Right. So, uh, right now, there are about 17 trillion US dollar of individual household wealth mm -hmm. and uh, about 52% of that in Japan yeah. is invested in bank saving mm -hmm. and that percentage of bank saving is way higher than the North America or Europe yes. right. 
and uh, they were um, co correct if, uh, putting their money in uh, bank saving during that uh, uh, the last two decades where the stock market kept uh, falling so maybe one uh, reason f in Japan was the preference towards bank saving, mm -hmm. and but that is going to change. It's just a matter of time because yeah. there's no way uh, the interest rate can stay this low for forever. Right. Um, another um, reason for uh, other part of Asia mm -hmm. might be. Uh, the growth of the economy. So, uh, like in many parts of the Asia, um, contrary to Japan, the stock market had been doing very well. Yeah. So, um, people just enjoy investing in stock market or uh, bond market themselves. So, maybe um, they didn't have that much motivation to have a more consistent way. Uh, m but uh, that would also be changing uh, if you look at the Asian economy for the last couple of years, it's quickly changing. So I think maybe the economic environment and market environment might have influenced the speed of adoption of those fintech technologies mm -hmm. in Japan, uh, uh, in Asia, but uh, it's I think it's just a matter of time that uh, it would follow uh, US or Europe. So, so robo-advisor in terms of asset under management is probably uh, very small compared to traditional channels at this yeah. point. Well, what, where do you think you may get to in markets like Japan, the more sophisticated market in Asia, say in five or ten years? What percentage of the market do you think will be served by robo-advisors versus the human, you know, more traditional financial advisor channels? That is a very good question. Um, it, it might depend on how much, especially in Japan, uh, it might depend on how much uh, people would be willing to shift their money from bank saving to investment trust or uh, to, to the um, financial market mm -hmm. uh, vehicles. And. Uh, um, so we have to see. But, but of the money that's already managed by a financial advisor, mm -hmm. say, you know, this is the overall market, 100%, is between robo-advisors and traditional financial advisor channels that split, you know, right now it's probably less than 1%, I would guess. Mm -hmm. In five or 10 years, you know, how much, uh, how much more do you think robo-advisor would be able to capture? Well, right now, there are 17 trillion US dollars of household wealth. Mm -hmm. Among them, about 1 trillion US dollars is invested in mutual funds yeah. and, uh, and some more in direct uh, stock market. Mm -hmm. um, it is, I think it is possible that uh, um, in maybe 10 years mm -hmm. in Japan, yeah. um, another one trillion US dollars would be invested in uh, low-cost robo-advisor uh, channels. Yes. That, that's quite exciting. I think that's actually quite a bright future if that we don't, it does come through to that. I guess the, the, the natural question now is uh, what are some of the obstacles that's holding fintech startups or finding, holding the robo-advisors up 
at this point for, for realizing that potential? Well, there could be many uh, obstacles like uh, uh, the hesitation, maybe some of the traditional financial uh, institutions have uh, interest in protecting their legacy business, mm -hmm. but um, I, I would say I would say there might be three things. Right. One would be um, the regulation. Mm -hmm. Well, financial institutions are by nature regulated, yes. so depending on the um, willingness of uh, the regulating body to uh, back up these uh, new technologies. Um, it could have a big impact on the speed of uh, fintech adoption. So uh, regulation might be one thing. Uh, the second thing might be um, brand awareness, especially for the startups. Well, the startups might have a very interesting technology, but uh, uh, what they don't have is the brand name and. Uh, especially for asset management, there's always risk. Uh, you cannot guarantee your uh, uh, performance. And where there is risk, well, you want to rely on uh, brand names. More familiar names. Yes, familiar names, exactly. So um, maybe the collaboration between the startups and the large um, established financial institution might be a key to uh, uh, go through those obstacles. Um, the third thing, especially for robo-advisors, mm -hmm. might be um, what is the true value added of that service? That's a very good point. I, yes. Well, um, there are many technologies. For example, um, people are, are doing uh, account aggregation, uh, aggregating uh, balance information from different uh, accounts. Um, there are um, questionnaires that would just judge your risk tolerance. Right. Those kind of things, people are not willing to pay money. Mm -hmm. And there are many services that uh, offer those services for free. Yeah. So I guess that is not good enough value added mm -hmm. uh, to make people pay money. Right. So what is uh, uh, the true value added? Well, sometimes uh, trading uh, algorithms like uh, tax loss harvesting or automated rebalancing mm -hmm. or some other um, automated transaction mm -hmm. uh, might uh, be worthwhile to uh, for the customer to pay money for right. that. So uh, I, I think uh, we have to really think hard what are the true value added for the clients that makes them uh, be willing to uh, pay money to use that service. That is a really important point. I think many financial institutions are offering those services already though mm -hmm. within their package. Mm -hmm. So that kind of, uh, from a competitive standpoint of view, right. it's actually uh, uh, not easy for robo-advisors to demonstrate their, their competitive edge. Mm -hmm. you know, what are the things they offer mm -hmm. where the financial institutions cannot compete? Mm -hmm. 
But maybe look at some other areas of fintech. Mm -hmm. Do you think in other areas where, where maybe some of the fintech startups may have an edge compared to financial institutions? Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, uh, obviously, uh, blockchain would be taking off. Um, uh, I, I don't know whether that would be profitable, mm -hmm. but uh, that I think it's just a matter of time that uh, different financial institutions would be adopting those kind of technologies. Um, if you look at payments, well, in Japan, uh, recently um, Apple Pay is becoming a hot issue, but uh, in Japan we have been using our, uh, what do you say, um, uh, train station pass mm -hmm. to pay at convenience to, uh, to buy grocery things uh, for more than a decade. It, yeah. So it's the same in Hong Kong, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so those kind of uh, uh, payment, mm -hmm. cashless payment using technology ha had been there for a while. Um, and uh, so in terms of uh, um, cash settlement payment, uh, those have relatively low uncertainty. It's just mechanical. Right. So um, for those areas, I think technology would be quickly adapted. Right. And uh, there are also peer-to-peer uh, -peer lending. Um, those have a little bit more uncertainty. So um, it is growing, but uh, some uh, service providers are facing challenges mm -hmm. and uh, so I think it would grow but uh, it's not easy to replace the whole uh, financial industry. Uh, it might have some, um, uh, it would have some market needs but uh, it would depend on people's preference. Wonderful. I think we started from the question that uh, between financial institutions and fintech startups, who will win the robo-advisor or the financial advisory war? Uh, maybe we close on the, the, the more general topic uh, between financial institutions and fintech startups. Who do you think will win the general war of competing for customers, for business in, in the next few years? How do you see this uh, evolution take place? Well, I think the ultimate winner should be the clients and uh, I don't know whether it would be startups up of, or uh, the established financial institution I think it would it could be a collaboration between those two parties but uh, it's not about the how, uh, how much you can profit from that. It's more about what are the true client's needs. Mm -hmm. So it, it should be the client that would be the uh, winner. I think the tone of the discussion in general has moved from this uh, competitive mode. We're trying to disrupt your new business or uh, more into this collaboration mode as mm -hmm. you described. I think mm -hmm. fintech startups and financial institutions are seeing more and more the value of collaboration. Yes. So that is probably a trend that we'll see uh, more of as we are seeing uh, in your organization that Mizuho actually actively starting a, a robo-advisor operation as well. Mm -hmm. 
So these are all trends to watch, I guess. Yes. So thank you very much for, for sharing your insights with us today. Thank you very much. And thank you all for watching. Copyright 2017, CFA Institute, all rights reserved. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.